to down your unders. Down your unders. Review and dissection of content from some of the sharpest minds in the game. Hosted by Adam Camilleri. Art of War. Down Under. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode 38 of the Art of War Down Under podcast. I am, as always, Adam Camilleri, joined once again, most recently, by uh, on our Death Guard review. I have the wonderful Don Hewson back with us to review the uh, Book of Rust portion for Death Guard. How you doing, dude? How's the last couple of weeks been for you? Pretty good. It's been going really well. Uh, just enjoying what I can do with all the new Death Guard stuff. Nice. You're getting, smashing out some games now? Uh, I'm, uh, I'm still not quite up to where I was pre-COVID, but... Um, yeah. You know, to, you know, at least once a week. Man, I am. I played in a major last weekend. I'm playing in a Teams event next weekend. This is the first time I'll do back-to-back events uh, in, geez, in almost two years. Like, it's actually kind of crazy, isn't it? <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, pr- very jealous, I can tell. <laughs> but, uh, we're, yeah, we're here to discuss <laughs> the Terminus S Strike Force. Now, for those of you who don't know anything about Art of War Down Under, why not? What's wrong with you? Jeez, tell all your mates. But we are a two-part podcast, the first part being for general consumption. Now, most lovingly on the Competitive 40K Network, you should be able to find us on Spotify. You should be able to find us on iTunes very, very, very shortly, on all those aggregators, on all those places, and all those wonderful things. Also, you can find us on theartofwar40k.com and over on Patreon. So, a Patreon for us, just look for Art of War Down Under. You'll find us pretty pretty easily. Sign up if you would like the second half of this podcast. And the second half of this podcast, in this case, will be Don and I constructing lists from the Terminus S Strike Force um, with Don. And then I'm going to have another guest coming on, and we're going to be discussing knights. So this will be kind of two. There'll be two halves to this one, and there'll be two halves um, to the part um, part two as well. Part I'm going to be talking to Don today, and then I'm going to be reviewing the knight stuff from Book of Rust in the second part of this first episode. And then again. The part two of um, this episode will be in two halves as well. I got to knock this stuff out for, uh, before Admech drops and ruins the whole landscape, right? Oh, definitely. So first and foremost, jumping straight into this, what do you think about the, the Strike Force? Just as a, as a package, what are, your, what are your thoughts? What were your first impressions? So my first impression was it looked like it was actually really, really good. Um, it didn't look like it was up my alley, though, because I like to run Demon Engines and mm. you know, the big scary things, whereas this... And one of the very first things that you'll look at is actually the very first restriction. You cannot bring any vehicles. <laughs> yeah, I know. When I, when I was, when I was going to ask Don to be on, I was like, huh, he's like, the, he's like the Death Guard guy, but this isn't the Death Guard guy's army of renown. You know, <laughs> this isn't this <laughs> yeah. Death Guard guy's army of renown. But still, uh, you, do you think it's got some mileage? Do you like how it plays? Do you like the, the package that it brings? So it's probably, originally I was looking at it and I was like, this doesn't look like it's that competitive. And then I played a couple games with it and I went, realized it is extremely competitive it's wow okay. it's very easy to get a lot of points with and it's also very easy to deny a lot of points due to the crazy shenanigans you can do with the poxwalkers hmm. yeah agreed that the shenanigans are ferocious and as, as we unpack this thing more and more you guys will see a lot of themes shining very brightly you know, very hard to avoid this. But uh, for those of you who don't know what Art of War Down Under is all about, we are a review podcast, which is our modus operandi. That's the reason we exist. When there is nothing to review, I do get people on of the ilk of Don Hewson to talk about 
um, things that are poignant or important to them. But the whole purpose of this podcast existing is so that you don't always have to run and buy every single codex when it comes out. A lot of people can't afford to. A lot of people would be like, I don't want to have to you know, drop in, in Australia sometimes, drop $80 on a book that I don't play just to know my enemy. I'd rather spend those $80 on more intercessors, on more racks, on, more, on another Venom or you know, three or whatever you get. You know, that kind of stuff. So this is here to be informative, to be hopefully um, – intuitive as well and be entertaining and enjoyable so you guys can keep up with the meta that is you know in from eighth edition and all the way through ninth edition is ever evolving ever changing and is definitely a full-time job so but terminus s strike force what are the restrictions tell us off the bat what are you giving up to take this so the most notable one is you cannot include any units with a vehicle keyword you cannot yeah include wow mortarian wow um everyone in that has a plate company keyword must be from the harbingers plate company Yep, and then if Typhus is uh, your warlord, uh, let's see. If Typhus if it, is included, he must be your warlord. Yeah, so that's no PBCs, which is a huge deal. That's no Contemptor Dreadnought with a double Volkite, which seems to be everyone's favorite thing at the moment. And that's no Mortarian, which for a lot of people is their their Keystone Linchpin unit. People are just in love with this guy. Um, you're giving up quite a bit, aren't you? You are. It, it's um. It definitely feels more along the lines of the fluff of what people are used to because everyone mm. has only ever read the fluff for the Harbingers. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Because it, it's, all, it's all being written from Tyson's point of view, isn't it? He's usually the protagonist and all the, well, protagonist for the for the Chaos Lovers. But he's usually the guy they, they talk about the most in Death Guard, right? Yep. I mean, the only other different uh, part of our Warband is the Lords of Silence, which do definitely use vehicles. But um, yeah, it's by and large, it's the Harbingers. It's the especially the Terminus S itself, the, mm. the flagship of Typhus. Now, it's pretty cool. The, the, the story of the Terminus S is pretty cool in and of itself. Yeah? There's, a lot of, there's a, lot to, a lot of lore and a lot of, lot of meat to chew on just in the story of Typhus and that ship, yeah? Oh, definitely. It's pretty cool. So, all right, that's what you're giving up. What are you getting from taking this pretty, what sounds like a pretty limiting swathe of units? So the benefits are everyone gets the Terminus uh, S Assault Force keyword, which mm-hmm. basically allows a whole bunch of things to be used on them. Uh, you have access to their wallet traits, relics, and stratagems. Yep. And you also gain access to the outbreak assault rule, which basically means instead of strategic reserves as normal, you basically wind up the same kind of uh, tier for power level per command points. Yep. Instead of you just start off one higher for command points required to put stuff in reserve. It yep. gets more and more cost-effective the more stuff you shove into it. And the biggest difference with that is is that, for one... Uh, there is no restriction on. Um, yeah, you can literally show up within six inches of your opponent's backfield on turn two. Like you yep. just deep strike now. Yeah, it's true deep strike. The only limitations is being nine inches away from your opponent, right? Yes. So yeah, there's no walking on on board edges, none of that. You just like, I oh, pick a point as long as it's nine inches away. You can you can go and get it. It's it's immensely powerful. So essentially, you're paying CP to put him into well, you know, terminate a deep strike, right? Instead of just putting him in strategic reserve. Yes, and being able to show up uh, anywhere on the board with. Plague Marines, Possessed, Poxwalkers, mm. whatever, is extremely useful. I mean, yeah, of course, you have the Terminators too, but they already do it. And this kind of patches up the probably the biggest hole that we saw when you when they showed the, the limitations. No vehicles. That means no transports. That means you're walking. It means you, you're Death Guard, you're slow Death Guard, and you're walking. So this, this thing really patches up the, probably what was going to be the biggest weakness of the army, doesn't it? Yes. Pretty good. The other one, um, uh, I don't know if you glossed over it for any reason other than it was it's a bit wonky, but it says Death Guard psychers in your army can generate their psychic powers from the Festa discipline. These guys get a whole discipline. So it's 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 very rare that we see a whole discipline given for a formation. 
But these guys, and yet these guys have one. Yep. And one of the interesting things about that is, as opposed to literally every other psychic discipline, like you know, librarians or whatever, they all say you must take two powers from one discipline. Yeah. I've not seen anything so far that says that you must take all your powers from this one or Ooh. from the actual Death Guard one yet. It says you may also take them from Fester. That might be pending in an FAQ. But uh, yeah, right, right, right now, as that reads, in your army, can, Death Guard psychics in your army can generate their psychic powers from the Fester discipline. Um, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. It doesn't say they must. It doesn't say they must generate all their powers from. Um, it doesn't say if they generate any, they must be all. That's interesting. So we'll read down and see if the Fester discipline uh, defers us in any way. But so far, I like the package. The package is just, just off the benefits and the, the traits. The, the fact is that restrictions are quite restricting, but the benefits patch up most of the holes already, just, just with the outbreak assault. So just to encapsulate that, it's uh, 2 CP for power level 1 to 9, 3 for 10 to 19, and then 1 plus, so on and so on. Like if you want to deep strike, you know, Morty or whatever, you, which you can't take anyway, actually. Never mind, you can't take him anyway. All right. I'll stop. Yep. <laughs> uh, right. On a complete side note, I did jump ahead. The Fester Discipline itself does say um, you can generate them on the Fester Discipline instead of the Contagion okay. Discipline. Yeah. So, so there we go. It is exclusive. There. And I'm happy happy to hear it is because that actually already felt like a, a very good little exploit there. Um, all right. We have one Waller trait. Would you like to read it out, mate? Uh, yes. And uh, just so you are aware, if Typhus is a Waller, he gets this Waller trait in addition to in the Harmony Waller trait. Yeah. And his, his regular Waller trait is pretty strong, isn't it? I'll, I'll, while you read that up, I'll look it up just to remind people what you get for that package. Gotcha. So uh, I'll tell you what that one is. So the Harmony's Waller trait is uh, every enemy unit within contagion range of the Waller, which is Typhus or mm-hmm. whoever, they, at the start of their movement phase, so your opponent's movement phase, you, you roll a dice. For every yep. four up, you do a mortal wound. Every six is D3 mortal wounds. You subtract one for characters and does not affect nice. vehicles. Yeah, so he gets this one in addition to that one. Yep. That's and, and that's called Shamble Rub for those unaware. So this one, the Harbinger of Death Aura, is while enemy models are within, uh, or sorry, when while an enemy model with a Legion characteristic of seven or less is within three inches of your roller, there's two things that happen. The first of which is that model's unit cannot make use of OBSEC or any similar mm-hmm. abilities. One of the very important things about this is it's not the unit's leadership, it is models. So yeah. if you have a sergeant that's leadership 8 and uh, intercessor or you know whatever that's leadership 7, mm-hmm. if you're within range of that intercessor, he turns off obsec for the whole unit because he himself is leadership 7 or less. And at the same point, uh, that model's unit cannot perform any actions. Yeah, this is a really interesting one. I, I remember Don messaging me about like uh, probably about two weeks ago. Now it's like, oh my god, Adam! I just realized something. It's enemy models with leaderships character seven or, or less. So a, you know, you, you know, the sergeant doesn't give his leadership to the squad. He just you just use his leadership when you roll a morale test. They're still leadership, you know, five, six guardsmen. It's only the sergeant that makes them leadership seven. So all those guardsmen that aren't the sergeant aren't obsec, right? Yep. That's phenomenally good, and and when you read it like that, you like your brain starts to throb because you like the implications are massive. Oh, definitely. And just when you thought that that world trait was awesome enough, on top of it all, in addition, while one or more enemy models are within range of this aura, you add one to the warlord's attacks characteristic. So that makes yes. Typhus go from six to seven attacks. Or if he does a sweepy sweep, it makes him go from 12 to 14. Yeah, just if you didn't think your big like chocolate sundae wasn't enough, the waitress walks up and puts a big old cherry on top. Because just because, just because, here, have another attack. <laughs> yep, and Titus is a beast. He's already a beast. He's already a very good psycho, and he's already a very good beat stick. So I think this is, um for the package of having this in addition, I think it's, crazy good i don't know if he's an auto take we'll, we'll discern that some more probably in part two but uh 
it looks very appealing on paper. Well, let me just give you a, a slight idea of what you can do with this. There is a, uh, especially for Tyvis himself, he is a Terminator. There's a mm-hmm. stratagem that a Death Guard Terminator can do when they kill a model in the fight phase, which subtracts four from the leadership of that oh, unit. Yikes. Yikes. So you can little yank them down and take off OPSEC. Well, that's exactly it's only for got- the turn, though, but mm. it's something you can do. Yeah, and if they've got something like a banner on it, all you need to do is control it over them for the end of one phase. So if you just control it at the end of the fight phase, the banner comes down, they don't, it goes into the next turn, they don't get the points. That's pretty yep. nice. Um, yeah. All right, moving on into the strats. I'll do the first one. This one is called Rotting Tide. This is 2CP slash 3CP. Use your stratagem in the reinforcement steps of your movement phase. Select a Terminus S Assault Force Poxwalker unit from your army that is below half strength and remove it from the battlefield. I think you see where this is going. Or select a Terminus S Assault Force Poxwalker unit from your army that has not that has been destroyed. Set that unit up again at its starting strength, wholly within six of any battlefield edge other than the enemy's battlefield edge and more than nine inches away from the enemy models you can only use this stratagem once if the unit has a starting strength of 10 or fewer models it's 2 cp otherwise it is three so you get tired of traders and it's a true proper tired of traders if they are dead you get them back like not as if you have one guy left wow uh, definitely this is uh this is actually a game winning stratagem for sure um, especially when you have a brick at 20 that you just mm-hmm. go all right well here they go i'm holding one two maybe three objectives with this brick at 20 because yes. they can just show up and chain up to where they want to go it's also really good for, especially if you're going second, uh, mm-hmm. you know, turn five, you just go, I have all the objectives. Um, if you're using um, not spread the sickness and not the fleeing vectors, but the other one, um, mm-hmm. the Death Guard specific stratagem, end of game, uh, there's four points. If you are, um, if your contagion range is over all the objectives, you can use Ooh, this yeah. to spread it over all the objectives mm-hmm. on the last turn. That's actually really cool. That's quite potent because that's a little sneaky line breaker that no one expected you to get. On top of that, it it goes very well with the um, with outbreak assault as well. Like you could outflank one unit of twenty onto one side, deep strike another twenty onto the other side. All of a sudden, you're starting to pincer with all your walkers or just putting stuff in people's faces and threatening their objectives that they have to deal with. I think this is an incredibly good stratagem. Uh, it's it's a game winning stratagem. You only use it once yeah. per game, but it will break the back of some opponents. Absolutely. Because uh, <laughs> the only thing worse than 100 Poxwalkers is having to kill 120. But all right, so what is the next one? All right, so the next one we have Unleash the Horde. This one is also a game-winning stratagem. So you can either use it in your movement phase when you select a Terminus S Assault Force Poxwalker unit, or in the fight phase when you select a Terminus S Poxwalker unit. You either add three to its movement characteristic of... Sorry, not its. You add three to the movement characteristic of all Poxwalker Terminus S units in your army or each other they pile in they can move an additional three inches yeah and wow. that's to your okay. entire army for two cp two so cp you every four yeah. cp or you make your uh, four inch movement dudes go to seven inches mm. and they literally can just cover the board with obsec yeah. fearless uh mortal wound spamming things that just if you get close to them they will kill you and they'll get guys back well, they're going 8 to 13 inches now within advance. So it goes from, you know, uh, you know, if they get good advance rolls, maybe turn 3, I have to worry about them. To turn 2, oh my god, they're declaring charges on my whole army. Um, yes. That's really good. And especially if you come forward with any year stuff to try to take those midfield mm. objectives, you might on turn 1 get charged by, you know, yes. 40 Foxwalkers. Yeah, agreed. I, I, 2 CP, it's absolutely worth it. Absolute value. All right, next one is Pestilent Drop. This is 2 CP also. Uh 
use this strategy in your reinforcement steps of your moving phases when you set up a Terminus S strike force unit from your army on the battlefield using outbreak assault so or teleport strike. Um, select one contagion of Nurgle ability uh, that unit has until the end of the turn. The contagion range of that ability is 12 inches for that unit. It's not cumulative with any other increased in contagion range goodos. So you can use this with that psychic power though um, on another unit and get two 12-inch ranged um, contagion abilities. So that just means you can deep strike something or um, or outflank something, and they or sorry, not outflank. You can't actually use strategic reserve. It has to be uh, outbreak assault or teleport strike. Uh, but then you wherever you deep, deep strike, you will get coverage of the thing that's nine inches away from you. Yep. Now, this one's one that I'm not sure that you'll see too often. It's mm. 2 CP for that ability. And most of the time, you only really care about getting the psychic power off to make something affect one or two units already. I don't see you using the 2 CP on this due to how much CP you're going to be using for the rest of this. Yeah, fair. fair. I think, I think the CP are quite a premium in this detachment, in this army. And the Pestilent Drop one just seems to be... Uh, a very very opportunistic. I'd rather it be one CP, honestly, for what you're getting, but uh, for two, maybe you use it once every couple of games. Yep. And I feel that same way about the next stratagem, where it's, it's, up. it's something that it's nice to have in your pocket. You're probably never going to use it, except for the very, very rare situation that you do, which is Callous Disregard for two CP. Use a stratagem in shooting phase. When you select a Bubonic Astartes Terminus S Assault Force unit from your army, that is eligible to shoot. The part that you need to realize about this is while that wording would work for vehicles and whatnot, you don't have any. You so you just any. have mm-hmm. uh, Death Shroud, uh, Blight Lords, and Plague Marines, yeah. Marines shooting, mm-hmm. which are basically bolters and strength 3 AP nothing flamers. Mm-hmm. So this is for 2 CP. Until the end of the turn, models that unit can target enemy units that are in engagement range of friendly Poxwalkers and Plague followers, units from your army. That's Poxwalkers and Cultists. Uh, and then each time a model uh, in that unit makes an attack against the unit with an engagement range of friendly Boxwalkers or Plague followers unit, subtract one from the hit roll. Any hit rolls that are not successful hit the Boxwalkers or Cultists instead. So I, I don't know for CP if I would ever use that on anything other than Death Shroud. Yes. Because they automatically hit. Exactly. I was about to say, Death Shroud, this thing is absolutely crazy good, yeah? But everybody else, you're like, uh, I'm going to do more damage to myself, usually. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the only time I think this is crazy good is with things like Witches, who will stop you falling back, and you just get to shoot the Witches um, out of... You get to shoot yourself out of combat. I feel like that's that's the best application here. Two CP is a bit steep for every other application, but yeah, you're right. It's situationally amazing, and then very forgettable otherwise. Yep. And so... The reason why I don't really think that this is worth a whole lot is because Death Guard do so many mortal wounds mm. in the command phase, the movement That's phase, fair. the attacking phase, that I don't think you'll ever have to worry about your bolters and Death Shroud flamers to clear something off of you being held down. Yeah, I mean, mm. it, it could happen. But yeah, I mean, you're going to have so, so many psychers already that you're just going to burn them off. So what's the what's the best uh, output you can get from Deathstrike? Because you can buff their you can buff their guns in quite a lot of ways. But I'm not sure Harbingers Harbingers don't do much of that buffing, do they? It's um, what's it? What's, it's one of the other guys. Um, so those Mortarians chosen sons that make their damage go to two. Mm. So yeah, that's what you want. But you have to be Harbingers in this, don't you? Yes. So I don't get the best mileage out of this. So yeah, realistically, if you're in a horde matchup and tipping the horde thing in your favor early is going to get you better results, maybe use it. But yeah, otherwise, you've probably got enough psych is just smite and curse the leper and go on, don't you? Yeah. Mm. And that's no, the other funny part is those flamers, because you're just trying to probably going to be in combat, 
also are pistols, so they can shoot already in combat. Yikes, yeah, you're right. That's funny. <laughs> but there you go. I like the idea. Dude, thematically, I love this strat. Like, in my head, oh, what, this is exactly what would happen. They'd be like, I wish oh, it was one CP. Yeah, they'd be like, oh, throw the Foxwalkers in. Oh, they're stuck in now. Mow everyone down. <laughs> Just cut them all in half. We'll raise some more. It doesn't matter. Um, yeah, I think this is uh, really, really, really cool, but not that potent. All right. Yeah. As far as the stratagems go, there are two phenomenal ones. There are two like, oh my god, these are you're going to build around these entirely. And then there's two. I'm like, eh, fair enough. Yeah. Happy they exist, but whatever. Are you yeah. pretty much the same? Yeah. Yeah. The first two you're going to see every game. The second yeah. two you will see once in a blue moon. Yeah, exactly right. All right, moving on to the psychic disciplines. This is the first discipline. Um, the first one here, I'll read out and we'll t- tit for tat. I want you to, I want you to read out the second one. To be honest, this is why I'm doing this. But the first yeah. one is gift of infection. This is a malediction. It has a warp charge value of seven. If manifested, select one enemy unit within eighteen of this psyker till the start of your next psychic phase. Subtract one from the toughest characteristics of models in that unit. This is not culminative with any toughness penalties incurred from any contagion of Nurgle. Huh. Considering you have contagions everywhere whenever you want them and if you're taking this thing you have to be mono death guard and mono harbingers i think this is a very bad spell it's one of those interesting things that it helps out with bolters and whatnot especially when you add in one of the relics later on but it's it's definitely not the shining beacon in this discipline if this was 24 or 30 inches sure but it's 18 inches and it's cast on a seven so it's only cast on a 50-50. It's only 18 inches range. You could just move and, you move and advance something up, you know, or spend some CP to increase your contagion range or, you know, all sorts of other things. It just seems, yeah. it's, it actually seems awful. Now, I could see that if it did stack with um, Nurgle's Gift, exactly it would be right. amazing. Because then be. you have toughness and two Marines. I, I was actually about to say that. The, the, the worst bit is the last bit. It's not cumulative with exactly why you're bringing the best thing about Death Guard anyway, which is the, the main contagion you're taking mono for. It, if it was, it would. Yeah, you're right. It would be phenomenal because you'd be hitting, winning on twos with just plague marines versus terminate versus terminators. It's great. Yep. Unless they're death or deathwing. Darn <laughs> <laughs> deathwing. I know. All right, lung rot. This is my favorite. All right, lung rot malediction. Lung rot has a war charge value of seven. If manifested, select one enemy unit within 18 inches of the psyker until the start of the next psychic phase. That unit cannot advance. And each time that unit is selected to charge, only eligible units within six inches may be selected to charge. And then each time a charge roll is made for that unit, it cannot be re-rolled. I love this power. This is a power that is so good when coupled with all the other things Death Guard can do to be deterrence to being charged. This is just mm-hmm. like, once again, a cherry on the top of a very delicious Sunday. This one is interesting in the fact that, um, I mean, you can definitely plan around making it so that you are completely unable to be charged. Yeah. Because, I mean, if you get you know a unit that moves, let's say, six like a uh, space marines mm-hmm. and you get to 12.1 inches away you can just cast this power on them and forget about them Co- yep correct the cannot be re-rolled part i mean it, you have to be within six inches which means you need a five on two dice so that part's not too great and then the other part about can't advance means that it's a little harder for your opponents to run away from you with this mm-hmm. but um yeah it's definitely a way that you can hurt their ability to jump on top of you. Well, for, to my mind, this any two of these is good enough to qualify this as being good. But to me, this if orcs ever get good, this is the orc wrecker. This is the absolute orc wrecker. You can't advance, which means you know the advance and charge aura you get from your war bosses doesn't exist. Um, you can only you can only charge you can only do it within six inches. So if you you know you got a unit of boys that is thirteen inches away, 
they can't charge you because they're going to move five or six. They can't advance, therefore do it. And every orc across the board gets the reroll charges. So you're turning off their best war boss buff, their best um, innate orc buff, and you're turning off their ability to get you in combat. It's like a threefold triple whammy. We don't like orcs uh, debuff. Yeah, so powerful. I love its application versus things like uh, demons as well. It's very good against um, things that inherently want to advance and charge, like Slanesh demons. Like with careful positioning, you can really, really hamper them. It, it definitely can. Mm. I just don't know, like with demons, if it's going to affect you know Ralph gets you only pick one unit. Fair. I mean, you can keep your secrets. That's certainly something you don't want to have going in on their terms. And then all of a sudden, they need to run away. If they can't come into you and charge, they're going to get charged. And if they're getting charged by you, that's terrible for them. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think well, what I love about this is th- when you couple this with things like the the putrefiers, the um, the noxious, noxious blightbringers, what are the guys who stop the charges? Blightspawn. Oh, so that's the foul blightspawn. Foul blightspawn for the fights last. You're just adding another saucy layer of you do not want to come into me. You do not want to try and push me. You cannot bully me. I love it. Definitely. All right. Um, I, I spoke a crap load there, so you can do the next one too. <laughs> All right. So this one's pernicious dose. It's a blessing that uh, has war charge value of seven. You'll notice that's very frequent amongst this entire discipline. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's literally, oh no, the next one is only six, but Five of the six are War Chart 7. So this one is actually amazing. Um, if manifested, select one friendly unit within six inches of the Psyker until the start of your next Psychic phase. Each time a model in that unit makes an attack with a Plague Weapon, uh, you can reroll the hit roll. So it's targeted Arching Terminator. Yes. And it also mm. doesn't have a range limit on it, like Arching Terminator does. Yeah. For, yeah. Select one friendly unit within six of this Psyker. And so, yeah, that doesn't matter where the the opposition is on the board. You just have to pick one uh, within six of you. I like this a lot. And then this one is also... Uh, so the slight difference is this is hit rolls, whereas Arshin Tamer's wound rolls. So you can yeah. actually combo them together. Oof. Oof that's and get Old Gilman on a unit. Mm. That's Yeah, actually, this is really good. It's a good seven as well. Um, it's, a, it's a worthy seven. Yeah. Because uh, to, to my mind, seven is the, the highest I usually like to invest in a spell with. Unless you've got a bunch of pluses to cast, like you are even trying to do Doom Bolt or whatever. Um, the seven is usually the, the what I what I take most of my stuff as that or less. Next one is uh, Noxious Discharge. This is a uh, Witchfire. It has a warp charge value of six. If Madness lets it select one enemy unit within 12 of and visible to the Psyker, they suffer one mortal wound, and all units within three of that unit suffer one mortal wound, also excluding Nurgle units. Um, I love this one. Yeah, I like I this, love one. this one with such a passion. Yeah, tell us why. Uh, so for one, you get to pick where it goes. Mm. And then a lot of powers like this, it's you hit a unit, and then you have to roll oh, something yeah. to hit other units. This one just hits everything. Yeah. And it's units. It's not, I mean, like, even like, uh, what is that infernal gateway that demons have? It's yep. It hits the model and everything around that one model. Whereas this mm. hits a unit, so you can hit, you know, an or- unit of orc boys. And it hits oh, their entire army from all wounds. Yeah, it, char- it doesn't matter about characters, doesn't matter about Grotto or Gretchen or anything or vehicles. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's. What, I was looking at it and thinking that the 12-inch range was a bit limiting. I was like, yeah, it's only 12-inch range. But, you know, it doesn't matter how big the unit size is. That's crazy. Yep. And then once more, once we get to the relics, you'll see why I like some of these so much. Yeah, and that's just another nice little juicy uh, splashing of mortal wounds that this army can do so prevalently. And it gives you back one of the ones you yep. lost. Yeah, because this is pretty similar to the one that the... Down. That, Sorry? Uh, I was saying that uh, it just works really well because it just brings down the army nice and slowly, just like Death Guard should. You know, so yeah. just die randomly. Yeah, easy done. All right, next one, Rutwind. Tell us about it. All right, this one is probably the most useful one in this entire book here, Ooh, which okay. is uh, it's a Malediction uh, with War Charge value 7. 
If mana passes, select one enemy unit within 18 inches of the Psyker. Until the start of that Psyker phase, each time a model in that unit makes an attack, reduce the AP of that weapon by 2 to a minimum of 0. This can literally turn those Lightning Claw Vanguard Vets into oh. chumps. Oh, wow. They just can't kill a Terminator. They can't kill one Terminator anymore. Jeez, that yeah. is really nice. They will still get you know the rerolls to wound, but they, it, they're literally slapping you with AP nothing Doesn't at that matter, point, or yeah. AP one if they're in Assault Doctrine. Well, mission attack reduced. And it's, it it's, also it's, works on ranged weapons. I just love that it reduces it by two. It, it's not ignore minus two. It reduces it by two. That could be next yep. six, and it reduces it down to neg four. Yeah, um, even melt that, guns not, are only AP2 against you if they get the yeah. arm. Dude, you're in cover. You get a three up. It's great. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's actually really, holy crap, that is really good. Um, no line of sight issues either. You just pick a unit. doesn't matter if it's hiding as long as we're in 18 inches. Um, 18 inches is a bit better. Like, uh, I wish it was, if it was 24, this thing would be OP, I think. Because then no matter what your opponent's best unit is, you're just like, nah, 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 nah. Yeah. Um, I think 18 is the only thing keeping the lead on this. But this is still so freaking good, man. Yeah. All right, uh, last one. Accelerated Entropy. This is a Witchfire. Watch charge value of 7. If manifested, select one enemy model within 12 of and visible to the Psyker. Both players then roll 1d6 and add their model's toughness characteristic. If your result is higher than your opponent's, the enemy model suffers 3 mortal wounds. If your result is double your opponent's or more than double your opponent's, the enemy model suffers d3 plus 3 mortal wounds. I don't. This is one of the best Witchfires I've seen in a long time. Um, and yeah, this- I still don't. I still don't think it's crazy good. I think it's pretty solid, though. So it uh, it is really, really good, especially mm. when you go to those relics like you pointing, alluding to. That'll be our next talk here. But um, so for one, it's not closest. It's you pick a unit, with, yep. or pick a model, rather, mm. within um, 12 inches. And then, uh, of course, they can take it on whoever they want to in that unit. But you roll based off of what that unit is. And then you get to things like, you know, say, for some odd reason, you're fighting against Gretchen. Their toughness one when they're next to you, you pop that off and you're mm-hmm. guaranteed to do three plus d3. I don't know yeah. why you use it on Gretchen, but it's just an example of what you can do. But even then, you're basically rolling off with a space rain and you're getting plus two against them. Yeah. And let's say that you even take like the Warlord trait where you get an extra toughness or your T6 or mm-hmm. your Demon Prince and your T7, you know, things yeah, like well, that where you're just blowing through, you know, three plus d3 mortal wounds on things. Because it's not hard to roll like a three while your opponent rolls a two, and they're you know T three or T seven, you yep. double them out and just yep. knock them down. Phenomenal! I think this is really good. I'm happy it's a seven. I'm happy it's only it's only twelve inch range because all of a sudden I'm scared of it. <laughs> it's actually really good. Uh, yeah, I, I actually so the package here, I think apart from not having miasma, this is better than the regular Death Guard discipline, right? Uh, it generally speaking is. Uh, the only thing it's really missing out on is the, uh, my opinion, the best Death Guard type power, which is plus six inches on Contagion Auras. But oh, okay, yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah, it, they're they're both really good. Mm-hmm. The only downside with this one is you must be Harbingers to take it. Um, if you did not have to be Harbingers to take it, I can guarantee you it would be in every yes, literally, literally every list. This is a great excuse to take two psychers now because I never I never saw two psychers unless you had a DP and a Noxious Blightbringer. But now, like, there's a legitimate excuse for two two Blightbringers or a DP and two Blightbringers, um, or even just like taking a big nugget, big smart nugget, because there's enough mortal wounds in this discipline. In addition to like the sprinkling you can get in other places to really just double down and start feeling like T Suns. Um, yeah. And so yeah, you go well. Like one of the funny things with uh, this discipline. Is that if you're using Millennium Playcasters, every single one of these except for Noxious Discharge, yes, uh, that one, seven. that's a six. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, is going to be a seven or higher, which means that you're also going to be accidentally inflicting mortal wounds to everything within twelve inches. Just splashing, or, you know, splashing an extra one on them just for the hell of it. It feels really good. I think lung rot is my fave, but I can see why you like. Um, uh, I like rot wind and accelerated entropy a lot. Yeah, pernicious, p- uh, pernicious dose. P- yeah, pernicious dose is just really good as well. There is there is a lot of lot to like here. Um, all right, jumping over to the relics. Hit us with the first one, man. All right, so the first one is the entire reason why I said look at all the uh, psychic mm-hmm. disciplines, and you'll understand why the range is not really the range. Yeah, if you are running the terminus S strike force or assault force. You are taking this. Like, there's yes. no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Field sensors, psychic model only. Add six inches to the range of psychic powers manifested by the psyker. If it has multiple ranges, such as noxious discharge, add six to the first range specified oh. in the psychic power. So it's basically the range of your spell, the initial yeah. range. Um, but yeah, so like long rot goes from 18 to 24. Mm-hmm. Rotwind goes from 18 to 24. Accelerant speed goes from 12 to 18. You're just you're able to reach out and touch everything now. Yeah, it's man, so good, so in good. This, yeah, this thing is this thing is auto take for this this army. It's so incredibly powerful. Remember how every time this is why every time when I talked about the the thing, I mentioned the range because I knew this was coming. Uh, because like I said about uh, the 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 roof is only on accelerated entropy and things like rotwind and stuff because of their short, you know, rotwind at twenty four inch range becomes a big problem for some armies. For shooting yeah, I mean, it's basically on turn army. one, you shut down a unit almost. Dude, you think about Balistari with their, you know, their assault cannons and their las cannons and stuff. As soon as that, you put so many buffs into that unit, you put so much work into making that unit really, really potent. And you're like, ah, your rend is not there, and I'm taking two plus saves. Like it's, it's just so good. Yeah. Um, all right. Next one is uh, Mark of the Terminus Est. Add one to the bearer's strength characteristic. Each time an attack is made against the bearer, your opponent cannot re-roll the wound roll. Once per battle, when a saving throw is failed for the bearer, you can use this ability. If you do, the saving throw is passed instead. So that is a, that is very close to being a get back up. Like that's very close to being a get back up. Um, it has to be like the last wound is going to kill you. Then hasn't there can't be like five more saves to take after it. But uh, the fact is, you can, you know, you can take your saves one at a time. Use a CP reroll and then try and, and then use the auto pass on the second one. That feels pretty good. Um, yeah. What do you think, mate? Do you like this? So I do like it, but it also suffers from the uh, too many awesome relics it, thing. Well, it automatically suffers from the it's not filth cleansers, so senses yeah. issue. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> the filth sensors are the auto take. This one's it, it's good, but I, I don't see you taking it over things like the superending plate. I think just does more for mm-hmm. like a demon prince or yeah, um, yeah the, like you have the uh, always strike last aura. You have there's so many other relics that are great. That yeah. This one just being good, I don't think makes the cut. Not fair. All right, what's the next one? So we have Vomix's Virulent Blight, which this one is model equipped with a plague weapon only. During your deployment, select one plague weapon the bear is equipped with. That weapon gains the following ability. Each time the bear shoots or fights, after making its attacks, select one enemy unit that has lost any wounds as a result of this attack by this weapon. Then uh, select a contagion of neural abilities that bear has. Until the end of the battle, that enemy unit is always considered to be within contagion range of that ability. This one huh. I like for Lords of Virulence. Yeah, the reason being is they have that. So you pick one of their plague weapons for Lord of Virulence. You pick his uh, twin Flamer. plague yep. flamer, and when he comes down, he's going to shoot it. If he knocks at least one wound off, he can either go 
all right, so I'm going to always have, you know, either my minus one toughness aura on you, or I'm going to have the aura of um, the Harbinger's aura, which is at the start of each one of your movement phases. Mm-hmm. On a four, you take a mortal wound. On a six, you take the three mortal wounds. Oh, wow. And that's just going to follow you around and wear you down for the rest of the game. That's yep. pretty cool. And yeah, you can just hit everyone with, I mean, so he can do it technically five turns. I mean, yeah. you'd only really get effect of it for, well, I guess you can still get all effect of for five turns. If you go first and, you know, move forward and throw out his flamer or something like that. But mm. this is the way of doing what that, what that, um, about that strategy did you know the one where it said you deep strike and then your contagion rain becomes 12 for a turn this is essentially yeah. the same thing on that on that guy because he's a 12 inch range flamer he just needs to come down do a wound and then minus one toughness except this is rest of the game but it is taking up a relic slot in an already overflowing relic slot right yes well fair enough it might be good if you're planning around it but so much the better actually could you um could you deep strike that guy down and then do the thing where you transfer another contagion to him from somewhere else on the board and then put that one on them so the transfer contagion part, uh, that is in your command phase, so that'll be before deep striking, so yep. that you cannot he, do for that part. He wouldn't be on but, the table. Yeah. Uh, let me see. Uh, it's like one contagion ability bear has, and let's see the wording on flash outbreak, just to make sure. Yeah, because the, the idea might. is... Yeah, that's, that's actually a pretty cool thing. You could have a, a contagion, a very variable contagion, on someone like Typhus, transfer it over to your Lord of Virulence, and then shoot it onto... You know, a very big problem unit. Uh, Come back to us with it. I'll read out Kanka. Uh, this uh, is a, yes, so it will work. Ooh, nice, nice, nice. Yeah, the little play. Reflected unit has all the same contagion abilities. So you just say, "Well, I have this ability this turn, so you have it now until the rest yeah, of the." That's sick. So you can really just churn it out wherever you want on the table. Um, that's pretty nice. Maybe that does add an extra little jank to this piece that uh, might have been lacking otherwise. But uh, moving over to Kanka. Model equipped with a plasma pistol only. We know how this this uh, this place feels about pistols. Uh, this is rage eighteen, pistol one, strength nine, minus four, three damage. You will never see Kanka taken on the table. Moving on. <laughs> the funny part is, it's such a good pistol. It's amazing. But it's just. It's not good enough. <laughs> I keep, I keep, I keep joking. I, like I had a great joke with um, Ricard Nielsen doing the uh, the admech part on the last episode. How good do they have? How good do they have to make a, a pistol? Because I mean, last edition, uh, all the all the pistols were like. Oh, sorry, for the first the first couple of codecs of, of eighth edition, the pistols were just like a storm bolter, and then the pistols started becoming like a heavy bolter, and now the pistols are like um, a melter gun. And we're like, how how good do they have to be before we start taking them? What's the next one going to be? So be a las cannon. They- they did make one really, really, really good pistol that was auto-take for Death Guard with uh, War of the Spider called the Worm yeah. Spitter. It was whenever you hit something with that pistol, every attack against it was a plate weapon. Wow, okay. That one was the one pistol that was auto-take. And, you and then they got rid of it, and now I'm all set. <laughs> yeah, how funny is that? And you didn't take that for its <laughs> pistol ability. You didn't take that for its defensive profile. Oh, no, it you took strength it for 5, AP2, 1 damage, plate weapon. But exactly. If you hit with it, yeah. Everything became a play weapon, and then you combine that with Arch Intimidator, so everything rerolled all wounds against that unit. There you go. That's how good you have to make a pistol. You have to make it so good that no matter what the profile is, it was worth taking because it had a sh- well, it had a crap profile. I was about to swear, but it had a crap profile. <laughs> anyway, tell us about Rock Grip. All right, so Rock Grip. This one's uh, one of the funny ones because it actually uses the the relic fist from Tor Garadon as the inspiration. Oh, cool. So. 
uh, model equipped with a power fist or play claw only. So the relic uh, replaces that power fist or play claw. It is a range melee, tight melee, strength times three, AP three, two damage, play weapon. I like it. I don't I'm know up. how often you'll need strength 12 oh, against minus one toughness <laughs> things. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, never, the, never the, is the answer. But the it's best fine. part about this is that it's not minus one to hit. So you're hitting on twos. True, hitting on twos. So but what what can you even take this fist on? So you can either take it on a Chaos Lord, a Chaos Lord in Terminator armor, or yep. a um, Lord of Fairlands. Yeah, fair. And none of those are things that you want to be shooting around. I mean, you have Death Shroud to do what this thing's supposed to be doing. You have Demon Princes to do what this thing's supposed to be doing as well. Uh, never going to see it is my answer. Yes. But it's cool. <laughs> um, all right. It, Reaper, sorry. Yeah, I was saying it's it's interesting and you probably only see it in Crusade. Mm, that's fair. All right. Reaper of Misery is the next one. Equip with, uh, model equipped with a ram, Man Reaper or Plague Reaper only. This model replaces one of those, etc. Um, it is strength plus two, minus three, only one damage. Plague weapon. Each time model is, makes an attack with this weapon, it makes two hit rolls instead of one. Um, I'm not saying what this does that is anything worth saying. So, the interesting thing about this is the uh, Man Reapers, they have the two profiles. There's the one that's the minus one to hit. Yeah. Uh, plus two strength, AP three, or plus three strength. I think it's plus three strength. AP three, uh, two damage yep. with minus one to hit. Or they can switch it around for the sweeping mode, which is two hit rolls per plus one strength, AP one, one damage. <laughs> so this one is plus two strength, AP three, one damage for the... You only get the sweep attack, though. Yeah. I don't think you'll take it. No, this seems to be combining the two worst aspects of a Man Reaper into one profile. <laughs> yeah. If this was two damage, sure. If this was three damage, incredible. Like, But this is just... This is bad, man. Yeah. Mm. All right. Tell us about the last. So we have the Raymond of Atrophy, which is for the purposes of determining the containment rate, sorry, contagion range of this model's contagion of Nurgle ability. Uh, you select... Or basically, the battle round counts one higher. Mm. You will never take this. No, like ever. No. <laughs> you have. Don't you have so many other ways of manipulating this, like other psychic powers, other relics, the strats? Yes. Yeah. You don't want to waste. A, you don't want to waste a relic slot. Yeah. You're, you. You will never. You'll never see that one. Like there is such a gap between how good filth senses is and everything else that I'm not. That, I think this might. That might be the only one you take from this. Yeah. If if you are running Terminus, Phil Sensors is in your list. It is. Before it, Tollkeeper, Phil Sensors is in your list. <laughs> and Tollkeeper is the auto tip for. Yeah, that's the one Death for the Tally Man, right? Yes. Mm. Yeah, I 100% agree. Phil Sensors is incredible. It is one of the buy ins that you. There's one of the things, the reasons you were taking this. Because, I mean, the Festa Discipline makes up, uh, I, I guess, like almost about a third of the special rules you get. Like the Relics yeah. is, is the other third. And then the, the single Waller trait and four strategies makes up the other third. So if you're not. It, you know, maximizing the first discipline. Why are you taking this thing? And it Phil Senses lets you maximize it. Yeah. All right, dude. So give us your thoughts. Like, do you think this is a? Do you think this is strong? Do you think this is viable? How happy is it? How happy does it make you? And how good do you think this is for Death Guard players? So I think this is really good. It's a different way of playing than what most Death Guard players are used to right now. Mm-hmm. As most Death Guard players are used to, you know, the Playbridge Crawlers, they're my fed play haulers, those things, and then having a couple Terminators. I mean, you can do that with this too, but it, most of the time you have those demon engines for the speed, the long range shooting, and whatnot to help you out. Hmm. This is going to be a very different way of playing. Where it's, I, from my experience with playing with it, it feels very much so like GSC with the amount of jank you can do with it. 
And yeah, then the, the amount hmm. of mortal wounds you can throw with this is ridiculous. Uh, yeah, I was about to say, the mortal wounds to me feels like, this feels like they've tried to let Death Guard do what Death Guard and T-Suns used to do together during 8th edition, right? Because you, yes. you just take Death Guard, you know, you take a big meat shield of them, or them or, you know, you know, Poxwalkers or um, Plague... What are they called? Plague bearers. Plague bearers. And then you used to have all your smites and all your mortal wound generators behind. It feels like they've got, hey, that, that's a concept we can put together. Um, I think that's very powerful. I like it a lot. It's, yeah, whether, yeah. it's actually going to test people's stomach for the, the style of play. Because, uh, I mean, I don't want to shoot the lead too much, but it feels like this is telling you to play a horde. Yes. So if you can definitely run it the elite way too, which is making the most out of Outbreak Assault. Mm. But I think you're going to see most people running the, you know, either anywhere between 100 to 140 poxwalkers with this, yeah. Because poxwalkers are really, really, really points efficient as it is. They can, especially with harbingers, destroy anything that they walk up into. Yes. Like, oh, is it uh, a unit of 20 poxwalkers on average does somewhere between 13 to 14 mortal wounds? It's disgusting. On average, <laughs> that's disgusting, man. <laughs> And yeah. that's on top of all these other mortal wound ways that you can get out. Like mm. this army, if you have the uh, Walker horde, and you know you have your two to three Mephitic blight hauler or my uh, million play casters and typhus, you are going to walk up and do thirty to forty mortal wounds a turn. It is crazy the amount it's, of damage that this army yeah, does. Yeah, absolutely yikes. But we will save the rest of that discussion for part two, guys. That was just a little bit of a taster. Or you're going to leave Mr. Hoosen here. We're going to pick it up with our Knights expert and myself. Might be, there's a couple of people, a couple of contenders. I'm saying who, which one of them becomes available first. I won't let you guys know too much just yet. But uh, we're probably going to be jumping in with our Knights expert and picking up the Book of Rust goodness from them from this point. So you can look forward to all that coming up. But Don, thank you so much. Anything you'd like to plug or mention before we leave off? Um... Not too much. Um, I do uh, every once in a while post on uh, Facebook in my little mess on Houston thing. Um, it's been a while since I've gone to do it because I just haven't gone to many events, but I'll be going to the Dallas Open here in a couple of weeks. So maybe I'll start creating content again for Ooh, spicy. <laughs> um, so yeah, jump us over, hit us up on the Patreon or on the Art of War 40k.com where you can purchase our podcast and the Nick Nanavati John Damaris Art of War podcast for a nice lump sum getting the benefits of both and uh, we're going to be talking to Mr. Hoosen uh, constructing lists with the Terminus S Strike Force talking about their viability, the strengths and the weaknesses their good and bad matchups and kind of just talking about them holistically from there so please hope you'll jump over and join us and you'll see the value if not, take care, look after yourselves and hopefully you're all out there playing some awesome freaking games of 40k sooner rather than later Don, thank you again, my man. Anything you'd like to mention on the way out? Uh, no, just make sure that uh, you're good to your opponents and they'll be yep. good to you. Exactly right. Stay safe, guys. Take care. See you in the next half. And we are back. I scoured the earth high, I scoured the earth low, and I came back with Johnny, the Johnny Johnny uh, Lennon. How you doing, brother? <laughs> Happy to have you back. <laughs> Hello, hello. I am glad to be back. Glad to talk about my favorite underrated Imperial faction. Man, yeah, Knights are in a really weird spot. So we're here to, for those of you uh, unaware or joining us halfway through an episode somehow, um, we're going to be reviewing the Knights rules from the Book of Rust, that being the Freeblade Detachment and the House Raven Supplement. So we're going to be uh, talking through that, reviewing it kind of from a, a holistic level. But John was the guy who I thought of in the back of my head who'd been playing Knights most recently, having kind of spearheaded this new build of uh, Megara with Helverins. Oh, sorry, with, with Warglaives, yeah? 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've talked it up a lot on the Art of War streams, which you can, of course, find on YouTube. Um, I hadn't taken it to a tournament yet, but your timing is uh, most auspicious because I have registered and submitted a Pure Night list for a tournament coming up on April uh, 17th. Oh, dear. Oh, my. That is pretty spicy. I, I'm going. I'm doing it. I, I can't paint all those nights and never take them to tournament. It's happening. That's, ex- that's exciting as hell. For those at home, uh, we're going to be joining. Uh, you can, can join in with us starting from the Freeblade Lance page in Book of Rust was the Army of Renown. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll, I'll just jump us through the restrictions here quite quickly. Um, all units in your army must be Freeblades. So that's all units in your army must be Freeblades, as in Mono Knights. Um, when determining which qualities and burdens each Freeblade Lance model in your army has, they cannot have a quality or burden that another Freeblade Lance model in your army has until all other qualities or burdens um, have been selected. Tell us a little bit about Freeblades, free mate. Has that ever been something you've been interested in? Ever been something that's even touched the sides or been up for consideration? Absolutely. I love exactly one Freeblade up until this point. I loved exactly yep. one Freeblade. So the basics are that there are six different buffs on a table that you can choose a roll for as a Freeblade. And mm-hmm. um, quite simply, you either pick one or roll two, and they're called qualities. And then you have uh, burdens, and burdens are... Uh, the opposite, you can pick two or roll one. Burdens are bad, qualities are good, and then every turn you take a 2d6 leadership check. You always get your quality. If you fail your leadership check, it's an old-style 2d6 roll equal to or under your leadership. If you uh, if you fail that, then you get your you get the burden. You copy burden as well, yeah. You get the burden, uh, however many you have. Yeah, so jumping over the benefits here then, um, all your owners in your army must gain the free blade. Sorry, they gain the free blade lance keyword. They're already all free, free blades from what you've had to do here. Um, you have access to the free blade lance wall of trades and relics, of course. Every free blade lance model in your army can have qualities and burdens uh, rather than just one free blade per detachment. And lastly, the free blade lance character model in your army gains the legendary knight ability, which is as follows. Um, add one to the leadership characteristic with this model. When giving a quality or burden to this model, you can use the following method instead of method um, presented in the Imperial Knights Codex. Select two from the quality table and select one from the burden table. So that one flips that one on its head. And then it says, uh, as a bit of a caveat, remember when determining qualities and burdens, each Freeblade model in your army, uh, can they cannot have a quality or burden that another Freeblade Lance model in your army has unless they've already all been selected so that feels a bit like that what combat rods used, used to be yeah exactly this feels this feels better because um you get to choose more and you, you get more upside and less downside so fantastic mm. first of all like uh no one was saying three blades were competitive but you know what if they're going to get a buff more good less bad well that's a good direction to start yeah agreed so how do you feel like those benefits shape up is it, is it worth investing in is it a big big payoff that you get for these um restrictions it, it is a really good payoff so a couple things to note is you didn't do many free blades before because you could only do one one quality benefit guy per detachment but also because you couldn't pick one twice so if you had two detachments with two free blades there's there's not that many great good ones uh quite frankly mm. the best is um, if you're sworn to a quest, you get objective secured and real ones against the warlord. And, the, and you're, that, that part never comes up. But the objective secured on a knight is something that knight players always want because we're jealous of custodies. Um, <laughs> and, you know, understandably so. But once you pick that one, there's not that many good ones left to choose. So more than one free blade was very rare anyway. I, I personally take one yeah. free blade for OMSEC in my list before this came out. Um, this is really nice though because. It's you can't pick a duplicate until you've picked everyone once. But once you've gotten to that point of you've picked all six, you can then choose the good one on every remaining choice. You don't have to keep looping. So once you do a full lap through all six, 
you get to pick a double. You don't have to do a second lap to pick it a third time. Mm. So you pick yeah, all true. six, and then you go again, again, again on the, uh, the, the the qualities to get the good stuff. Yeah. Interesting that with the, the last dot point there of the benefits, the free blade character models in your army gain the legendary knight ability, as then they get to pick two and then pick one. So only one burden, two qualities, as in flip that over. And there is there is a certain amount of ways and a propensity for knight players to have like, you know, th- up to three character knights, yeah? You, you could, I think you could potentially have five character knights in a detachment. Uh, three is the most common, four is still practical. Uh, realistically, you're not taking the effort to uh, make any armagers uh, characters because yeah. you usually want to put relics and warlord traits on your big knights for mm. well, bigger is better. So put the relic on the big stuff. Um, but you know you could do more than that. But realistically, um, what's most common is three big knights and a group of armagers, or four big knights and like one armager. That's kind of the ratio. Yeah. And you're probably going to make every big knight in your army character. If I'm real. Yeah, that's usually my assumption. Uh, but yeah. D- there's one um, quality that always been, always stuck in my head as being the fringe one, other than obsec. And that's the one we get a free reroll or every every turn. Yeah, you get a you get a reroll a save. It's the one that Captain yeah. Rex comes with. I always thought if that, if I ever wanted one that I wanted to have on multiple nights, it would just be good to have that because essentially you'd be saving me a CP every, pretty much every turn. Yeah, the nice part is that it's it's not just a hit roll. It's you can reroll a single hit, wound, damage, charge, or saving throw. Yeah, for this free blade per battle round. So. Rerolling a save for battle round, that's convenient. Uh, that's rerolling exactly, yeah. charge, damage, hit roll, like none of those are bad. Um, so yeah, that, that one is a good one to have as well. There, there's a couple of qualities that are pretty decent. Um, and especially if you get to start doubling up on them, you know, you're probably going to pick obsec for all three big knights. Then you have mm-hmm. things like I could get a free reroll on every night, or I could get a six inch intervention on every night. Uh, those are the ones that I think you yeah, exactly right. They, they all there are there are really good ones in there. Are really potent ones that help and enable not, these free blades to do stuff that regular knights can't do. Um, but you are giving up a lot. Like you don't get a, you don't get a house trait. You don't get a lot of other goodness. And as we break down these things, like I'm you're, I'm, I'm just going to go out on a limb here. I don't, don't spoil your list if you don't want to. But I'm assuming you're playing Crust. I am doing Crust. However, when we talk about the Whirler traits in a second, you will see that you could still get. A night house. Well, dude, go for it. Tell us about echoes from the past, the first of their warlord traits. All right, let's go. So we'll start off with uh, the specific warlord trait for this Freeblood Lance is echoes from the past. This warlord gains and benefits from one household tradition selected from those described in Codex Imperial Knights. Even though they are a Freeblade, write down this tradition on your army, roster, whatever, when this warlord trait is selected. So it's exactly what it sounds like. Just pick mm. a army trait. And there are some decent ones, like uh, Crast is an obvious one. Where you yeah. get the uh, the reroll, or the rerolls to hit in close combat. First the sneaky yet. one, a sneaky one, honestly, is the Raven advance and shoot. Where if I wanted that on one night, I could make that my. It gives you it gives you really sneaky stuff because um, you don't have to be the same household, or you don't have to be the same loyalty as the the night house. So, yeah. for example, you could have an imperialist knight take the advance and shoot Raven thing. Then you could put that on a valiant and give it the, re- the relic that rerolls yeah. all of its flavors. Yeah, it was that, yeah. that was the first thing that came to mind. I was like, you know what, this would be cute. No one would no, see this coming. Yeah, no one would see it coming. The other one I thought of is simply just giving six up feel no pain to like one of the larger knights, a yeah, a Castellan or a, a valiant. Oh hell, if you're a crazy man, what's the what's the bulldog one? The Prefurian? <laughs> it's like, oh, oh yeah. my god, yeah. I never, I never <laughs> want this to die. I mean, it doesn't kill enough for its points, but you're like, yeah, it's never dying. Forty wounds, the six up feel no pain now, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna heal it. But, you know, it's got to get a wound back every turn. Um, so that is very interesting. There, um, I do, I do quite like that. I think it's pretty sweet. But here's the uh, the relic. 
They've only got one relic. It's called Bringer of Justice and Model equipped with a chain, a relic Reaper Chainsword only. Um, it has the following profiles. Its strike profile is strength times two uh, instead of plus four. I believe it is. Uh, it's minus four flat six damage. And its sweep attack is strength user minus three flat two damage rather than D3 for its stompy feet. And each time attack is made with this weapon's sweeper profile, it makes two hit rolls instead of one. Well, <laughs> I love all the three blades have. Um, look, the relic is very forgettable. But the warlord trait and two of the... St- yeah, 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 there's not there's not actually a relic. Um because <laughs> you play you're playing Majeras and they already sweep better than this thing does. Um but uh these wall trees actually legit um is one of the best things about this. And also um Brothers and Sisters in Burden is mad, but strength from exile and favored knight are both ones that I think are quite good. Yep, exactly. Both of those are very useful. Um and brothers and sisters in burden, you know what? Not the worst. Probably not going to use it much, but not the worst. So the, the times when I think you're going to use it, if you're playing a free blade lance and you're playing Jukari with their leadership debuffs, and you're just like, yeah, we're all going to fail our burdens this turn. One CP, no one's failing. Um, that's yeah, when it. That's that, when I feel that's like th- that's clutch. Uh, it's clutch to have that in your back pocket. But apart from that, yeah, it's pretty forgettable. Anyway, dude, what are your thoughts on that? Do you feel like this is a viable build? Do you think you're going to see it? Do you think people are going to enjoy it and love it? Um, I think that those people who play Knights for the flavor are going to love this. I'm going to be honest, mm. I just finished painting up a night army like about a month or two ago, and um, they're all very uniform. You know, it is a night house. And my immediate thought was like, oh man, I kind of want to paint five more nights now in different color schemes. Like, dang it. But it, it's cool. So if you were already going to like play knights, because just because you love knights, you know, a lot of people love painting the individual heraldry. This is great. This is so cool. Mm. And what, what I love is that this is a really cool concept for an army. The all free blade army. That's so, that's so badass. It's like, freaking, it's freaking sweet, isn't it? Yeah. I want to paint a knight, have him be his own hero, give him his own shield, his own transfers, like, like paint him up in his own scheme. He has a name. He has a backstory. I annoy my opponent during deployment by telling him that, you know, <laughs> like, like it's, this is great. This is really cool for what, like, I like Knights being. And yeah. I think it's just a great step in that direction. Ultimately, competitive flavor, I it's close, but I think that the unique relics and warlord traits and abilities of the custom house, of the actual houses, I think I'll outshadow this by a little bit. But at a bare minimum, they gave me something to think about. It's not yeah, completely obvious this will never get used. It's not yeah. an obvious this is the only way to play Knights. And that's what you want. Like you don't want it to be. Oh, this is the only thing you do for nights. Not that you don't. You don't, want you, you don't, you don't want it to cult of strife. It. <laughs> you don't want to cult of strife. It. Then they did. Yeah. This is not cult of strife. But also, it's good enough that I could see it. Like I, yeah. I, I could try this, and I may not be disappointed. There's enough cool stuff here that I've tried. Yeah, agreed. All right. Well, we're going to jump over to the House Raven supplement. So those who don't know or don't remember the heyday of House Raven when the Castellan was. Shaking, leaving everyone shaking in their boots and literally just dominating entire mages. Um, but we are going to be jumping in. So this is uh, their wall of traits. They have uh, three. I'm going to read them all off in one go, and then we'll discuss them. The first one is Lord of the Thralls. Each time an attack is made by this warlord, and a modified hit roll of six automatically wounds the target. Uh, in Volite, um, this is each time a warlord loses a wound as a result of a mortal wound on a roll of four plus, and the wound is not lost. And the last one is Blessed by Metallica. Add two to the Warlord's wounds characteristic. This ward uh, can be repaired by Metallica tech brush units as if it was a Metallica vehicle. So as in if you took a mixed uh, you know, um, House Raven and Metallica army, you could heal uh, D3 or even flat 3, yeah? Or is it just D3 with a reroll from a Dominus? Um, so the most you can get is, I think it's uh, D3 
but then they have a one C, they have a relatory role and they have a one CP strat to heal a, a metallica unit a second time. Yeah, and they and because they're they're a, um, a mechanicus, they get one at the start of the turn anyway. So exactly. adding two to the wards wounds category, so you got twenty six on a Questorus, and then you go up to thirty on a Dominus, and then you're getting one back for being House Raven already, and then you're going to be getting possibly two D three re rolling, so possibly another six, possibly seven wounds back a turn. That seems the best of the bunch, yeah. Hundred uh, percent, Lord of the Thralls. Um, knights are good at wounding, so I don't care. <laughs> like, yeah, ex- exactly right. Exactly right. Everything's um, high. Everything's high strength already. Yeah, four up against mortal wounds. Super specific, and knights just want more general take all counter stuff because mm-hmm. that, that's just what knights need. Frankly, um, yeah. I'll pass on that. Let's find Metallica. I would actually take that if I were doing the specific scenario where I had a Metallica priest. Yeah, agreed. Um, yeah, hundred percent. And I, I think that's you know you have one knight, one house raven knight, and then you've got um, just uh, you know. Your your little metallic attachment, and that seems yeah, pretty or, good. Yeah, or, or one big Crestorus, um, you know, two Helvrins or Armagers or Armagers of your Moiraxes of your your liking, make the little detachment, yeah. attach it to a, a a more sturdy, you know, mechanic and well rounded battalion or something, and you're off to the races. Yeah, I think that's perfectly fine. Mm, absolutely. Um, for, sorry, I did jump. I did jump ahead a little bit. What is the the House Raven um house traits? What do you get for being House Raven? Yeah, absolutely. And this isn't anything changed here. This is the same as before. Basically, a knight can shoot with its, uh, when it advances, it can shoot with its heavy weapons as if they were assault weapons, and it does not take a penalty for advancing and firing assault weapons. So yeah. your knight advances, it shoots as if it didn't. It just shoots very as great. if it didn't advance. You're very mm-hmm. simple. You just very shoot all your weapons. Yep. Um, it's, it's good. It's very nice, clean, good. And uh, Raven was very popular because of that. They have a decent warlord trait, decent stratagem. They're, they're all around solid choice. Mm. They were super popular. I think they've dropped into like the second or third choice, but they're definitely not bad. And yeah. this is a nice buff, so we'll, we'll see how it goes. Uh, you want me to take over those relics? Yeah, smash out all the relics, man. We'll talk about them as one. <clears throat> all right. First up is a relic rapid fire battle cannon. Replaces a rapid fire battle cannon. It is 72 inch assault, 2d6, strength 8, AP2, flat 3 damage, blast. Oof. Oof. Uh, it's a flat three damage, and oddly enough, assault battle cannon. The assault is weird because there's no difference between assault and heavy for for um, Raven. For the, yeah. For Raven, so and maybe that's a future proofing thing. I don't really know, but um, it's cool. Uh, flat three damage battle cannon. Um, I like this on a crusader because yeah, the paladin yeah. has a one CP B flat three damage. Exactly right. I was about to say this is the crusader battle cannon, isn't it? Yeah. Um, it's a good gun, but uh, we'll, we'll keep going. The metallic and I, each time a ranged attack is allocated to a vehicle or a monster, improve the AP by one. And uh, then Fury of the Keep is a, a thermal can, replace the thermal can. Range 36, Assault D6, Strength 9, AP 5, D6 plus 2, Blast mm. is a D6 plus 2 is the damage. And then finally, the Spirit of Colossi. Each time the bear is selected to shoot or fight, you can re-roll one hit roll, one wound roll, or one damage roll made for the bear. So, go back to recap. Yeah, uh, giving it essentially Master Artisan, not mm. bad. Two different relic guns that admittedly are good improvements over the the current version of them, but I don't know if it's good enough. Yeah, but there's a couple, like the, both of the weapons are legitimately good. I'm of the opinion that Fury of the Keep is just what every thermal cannon should be. Um, well, apart from the assault yep. bit, they should just all be strength nine, AP AP four or five, D six plus two. So that's interesting that that's what I. If they don't get upgraded, that one becomes a lot better. But I'm assuming in the new Nightbrook, that's just what thermal cannons will be, right? Yeah, I figure it's got to be close to that, honestly. Um, 
Yeah, all the weapons relics are solid. The problem is that where knights are right now, I feel like you don't want any of these weapons or the knights that nah. could take them. So yeah. it's an awkward situation where I think these could be good in the future without needing any changes. But right now, I don't want these knights. Yeah, exactly right. Spirit of Colossi and uh, Metallic and I both seem legit, but it's the uh, yeah. I think it's the wrong it's the wrong meta for Metallic and I. Um, I would say like if if you know. There's a lot of Drakari vehicles out there, but the thing is, they all have invulnerable saves that you're already taking. Yeah, they, your they weapons already take, anyway. Yeah, all your <laughs> weapons already take them to the invulnerable save anyway. If we saw freaking Land Raiders and the Repulsors come back, this thing would be amazing. Spirit of Colossi is pretty interesting, though. I think that's quite spicy because that is, you know, the House Raven stratagem is um, on a, an order of companions, which is essentially very similar to this. You reroll ones of hits, wounds, the amount of shots, and the damages. And this just gives you one, one reroll as well. So this would be like a. A baby version of that, which I actually quite think is very potent on certain nights, yeah. most likely being the Castellan being the one that I think gets the best mileage out of this, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. This seems very solid, so I have no objections here. This just seems like a good a good stratum. I'm sorry, good relic. Yeah, good relic. Um, will it make it in? Eh, maybe, maybe not, but it's something you consider. Mm. Um, and it definitely feels like the best of the, the options here. This it's is the one nice. that I would immediately think about. Like, you know, I might actually take this. Yeah, agreed. I do, I, I do quite like the um relentless wrath the 72 inch range on it is quite spicy and the flat three damage a rend two is starting to fall off i'm finding like as a play, I, you'll probably notice as well playing an army that has a lot of storm shields a rend two i'm like yeah, yeah you better hope i don't have cover buddy or else you, you know your rend doesn't exist um yeah but yeah fair enough all right over to the stratagems the first one here is hammer blow it is a one cp slash three cp stratagem you just stratagem in your shooting phase when a house raven model from your army that remains stationary uh, this turn is selected to shoot to the end of the turn. The first dot point reads it uh, cannot make a charge move each time. And then each time a model in that makes a range attack with a weapon that has a blast ability, reroll hit roll of one. If the target is contains six units or six models or more, uh, when it was selected, you can reroll the attack hit roll instead. If the model is in a caster's class or a dominus class, it is three CP. Otherwise it is one CP. This is an interesting one. Um, I, it's not bad, but I, yeah, it. Because it specifically contradicts Raven's special role. Exactly, you can't move. Like, that's yeah, the whole, point like of Raven. The whole thing is Raven is that they're the most mobile knight. Yeah. You can advance and still shoot. No penalty. I like more mobility because I have less things to, to work with. So I want them to be in the right spot. And then you you can't do that. Well, you, yeah, you can't move and you can't charge. I thought like you know, just just make it so I can't move, mate. Like at least let me charge or let it so I can move but can't charge. But not charge. Don't, yeah, one of the yeah. two. Both of them just means I think it's it's bad. It's too restrictive. Yeah. Also, again, this is not on the knights that you want to use it on. It's with a weapon that has blast. So, like, my immediate yeah. thought is, okay, three command points. There, there's too many good one CP strats, so I'm, I never use the three CP ones. So I'm never going to put this on a castle because it's three yeah. CP and that's too much. So, okay, one CP, let me put it on my Crusaders. Like, oh, hold on. The Crusader's shooting a big Gatling gun and then one blast weapon. Mm. So for one CP, my Crusader doesn't move. And I get reroll ones on the one blast weapon he's firing. So here's the only thing that I think it's good on. Only one I think it's actually so the only two models I think they're good on are both Armaga classes. I think there's a Moirax with the the Graviton pulsars, which are the the D6 shot ones that are strength six minus three two damage. Or there's the Helverins with the auto cannons because they both have two blast weapons and they both are things that don't want to move and don't want to charge at some times. So yeah, I think that's so, the only that's the only thing. But spending CP into those when you're not spending CP when you could be popping CP into your big knights feels bad. Yeah, that it's fine, but it's not great. Um, yeah. So I'm not super enthusiastic about that either way. 
Um, and actually, I'm not even sure if Helverins are blast weapons, if I'm being honest with you. Fair. That's fair. They are 2d3 shots each, but yeah, they're they not They are 2d3. I'm yeah. not even sure if they're blast. But either way, uh, that's, that's not really the point. Um, I'm just not... I'm not, not saying the value. Yeah, yeah, so let's move on to the next one. Uh, this is Honor and Violet. Uh, this is two or three command points. You strike in your shooting phase. When a House Raven model from your army is selected to shoot until the end of the phase, if that model did not advance, why? Add mm -hmm. one to the strength characteristic of ranged weapons that model is equipped with. If the model is in a Castus or Dominus class, it costs three, otherwise it costs two. Um, yeah, yeah, why? Why are these stratagems why? fighting you? Why are they fighting you for what you yeah, want to do? Like it's, it's, again, mm -hmm. Raven, like, the whole point is advance and do stuff, like, but you can't do it. Oh man, that that's the restriction feels needless here. It does. Um, I do like the I do like the plus one strength like on like two, uh, two and, CP. And, yeah, I know. But if you got a crusader with like endless fury, going to strength seven is pretty good. Um, but it, it's best case scenario, this is a two a two CP plus one to wound in shooting on a model that didn't advance. Best case scenario, yeah. two CP for that is considerable. But mm. like, is it going to affect every weapon at once? Yeah. Like, or is it going to be one weapon? Is, a, is essentially getting the plus one strength. The rest are getting it, but it doesn't change back. Like, going exactly. from strength eight to nine on the battle cannon of a Crusader means very little, unless you're specifically shooting T8. Going mm. to strength seven is cool, but, like, oh, man, it's, like, so many times that doesn't matter either. So, like, it's a it's a situational plus one to wound on some of your guns mm -hmm. and so two, two CP. Yeah. And with with the restriction on using it, it's like, ugh, that's not enough for me. Yeah, this, this sucks. Right. Next right. one on to you. Lockstep advance is a one slash three CP again. I see where you see where this is going. Use this stratagem when you select a house raven unit from your army to move in your movement phase to the end of the turn. That move that unit's move characteristic is halved. Why? But each time that model shoots with a weapon that makes a random number of attacks, uh, when determining the number of attacks it makes with that weapon, you roll one additional dice and discard one of the dice. If that model is in a cast or dominus, it's, th it's three CP two, rather than one. Why the jump from one to three? I feel like it should be one to two. Same. It should be one to two. I was going to say this at the end. I feel like Games Workshop was trying very hard to not make Knights OP. And they were like, you know what? We made Knights OP once. Let's err on the side of caution here and be really conservative. And they are. And I tell you what, I'll previewing the next five strategies after this. They didn't make Knights OP. But I know. If it was just one slash two, like, I'm sorry, a Castellan is not three times better than a crusader no it's not and, and and the poor valiant why does the valiant Jim, get spent yeah, three what, on this what, like, did, what, did it, what did it ever do to anybody what nothing the valiant is a perfect angel exactly nothing offensive about that model at all yeah um, so <laughs> the problem is like again which models have enough random shot weapons for this to be worth it mm. like this isn't a bad buff uh, having the move is fine although this is funny you can actually advance and fire with this one Yes, thank God. So you, but you, you can you have your so move. you can move. Yeah, you have your move, but you don't have your advance. So yeah, so yeah. six plus D, six plus D six. Yeah, um, most, most likely. Yeah, so that that's cute. Um, I mean, honestly, like this is this is fine. One CP. I, I think the best thing to do it on would be like a Crusader with a thermal cannon and a pop rocket. Yeah, yeah. And then and at that point, one CP. You know, try to get a decent number of shots. On your thermal cannon, especially if you take the relic, well, like sure, that, that's a that's a, a perfectly reasonable CP. Having mm. the movement is like meh, but sometimes that doesn't matter. So when you do that, sure, this is fine. But like again, this is situational, and it also 
objectively, this does not change anything that knights do. This is just, you're a little bit better at the thing you were already trying to do. Exactly. But here's a penalty. Like, this does not whatsoever change the the math on what you could do with this knight. Yeah. If you're more likely to get an extra shot or two, like, it changes the expected value of shots by one, but it doesn't change the math. Like, okay. All right. Continue on. Um, Did I read out lockstep? I did. You you sure did. It's my turn for Crimson Wall. And this one is cool. 2 CP, use this stratagem in the fight phase when a melee attack is allocated to a house rated character model from your army. The saving throw is automatically a six. Do not roll. This, this stratagem so sucks until it doesn't. This, yeah, this thing is, is clutch. <laughs> it's very clutch. We know the difference between having a one wound knight and a dead knight is a huge thing. Yeah. And man, with the D3 plus three damage weapons becoming really prevalent, you're just going to need this. You're just going to need to spend this. Yeah, honestly, this is a, this is a case of... Uh, you play this like sisters. You just got a miracle ice in your pocket. That's mm-hmm. it. And you roll all of your saves but one. And if your knight has one wound left or an equal number of wounds to the damage that the last wound could be, you you drop that six on them. Yeah, exactly. Uh, right. Especially if you're taking knights that happen to have a, an invulnerable close combat, this will just mm-hmm. auto pass it. Uh, but if you're if the knights just happen to have uh, you know anything like they've got a three up armor, if your opponent's not hitting with AP four, you're getting a save. And done. Just this you're never gonna use this, but the one time you do, oh boy, is it gonna feel bad for your opponent. Oh man, because they're gonna they're gonna walk in so confident and go like have one guy, one wound left, fall back, one CP, act at full, wreck him. And yeah, it's it's off you go to the races. I think this one is possibly the best one of the bunch. And but it's so it's so situational, but because it's only um it's only in the fight phase, like when your opponent knows it's coming, they're just gonna be like well, I guess we're not fighting him to death today. <laughs> we're just going to throw that yeah. crack grenade. Or they're just, just going to do. They're going to do even more. It's it's only one save. Make them yeah, take six saves, and it's like, all right, it's maybe. Yeah. So right. it's good. Well, on to you. Uh, Shadows Reach is the next one. This is two CP. Also, use a stratagem at the end of your opponent's movement phase. Select one House Raven model from your army to the end of the phase. Each time, so each model. Uh, are considered to be within engagement range of that model while they win three horizontally and five vertically instead of one horizontally and five vertically. So they smash from three inches away rather than one inch away. That is, it's an interesting, there's some decent applications here, isn't there? This, uh, this is actually one of my favorites here. Yeah. Uh, that's because it's at your opponent's movement phase. So this, this is nothing to do with getting in combat. Like yeah. to hit people, this is you walk up to someone and suddenly they can't fall back. Because of the size of your base and your clever positioning, and the fact that you can advance yeah. in, and to, to make sure you get a, a like you know track them <clears> against the board edge, and then yeah, two, two CP and you keep them. That's nice. I'm more thinking you you charge something, you fight, you consolidate, you get within three inches of a target that you don't want to hit you back. Think of Mortarian. Charge mm. something next to Mortarian, and you consolidate two inches from Mortarian. Mortarian doesn't fight you. He is winding up that scythe to come hit you. Bang two CP Mortarian is now in combat. He either stays there, doesn't charge, and you swing first, or he falls back and does literally nothing. Yeah, that's actually really cute. That's very, very, very nice. It's not gonna come up often. When it does, you're gonna feel like you're gonna feel like the smartest night pilot around. You're gonna feel like the master of the game. Yeah. Exactly Absolutely. Right. It's when it comes up, that's gonna feel real good. Mm. All right, next one. Next one is on me. Let's go with Colossi Eternal for three command points. Use this stratagem at the start of your opponent's shooting phase. Select one House Raven model from your army, excluding an Armager class model. Then select two other House Raven models within three inches of this model. Until the end of the phase, while these two models are within three inches of the first model you selected, all three of those models get a four vulnerable save against ranged attacks. 
You can only so, use this stratagem once. So this is turn one, right? This is turn one. You go second, um, and your opponent's going to dunk like possibly two knights in a, in a turn, right? Instead of paying for one of these to rotate, you pay three CP and then all three of the knights that you've all had to deploy rotate. had to deploy next to each other. They have to be very close to each other. And because yep. you're Raven, this is like the, this is the, when you deploy them, it's probably the only time they're going to be close to each other because they're going to they're going to move advanced, they're going to spread out, and they're going to try and yeah. you know, pressure the board. Cause havoc, so, yeah. Maybe you can get it after your turn one if you go first. Maybe you can move up with this in mind against a gun line, but yep. this is not this isn't something you were ever going to do twice anyway. The once a game limit does matter. Here. Um, yeah, exactly. this is cool. What I like the most is that there isn't a limit on uh, if it's a castle and it costs five CP. Because <laughs> ro rotating a castellan costs three command points. Three, anyway. Already costs three. So you can already have a, three. you can have a castellan and two valiants for God's sake and three CP, they'll get a four plus in bond. Yeah, that's exactly what I want to do. <laughs> three <laughs> valiants, they all rotate. Triple valiant. Um, meta. It's yeah. it's cool. I got no objections here. Um it's this is such a great stratagem that I can't justify it for less than three command points, so that's fine. That's true. Yeah. Um, it's not what I expect to use often because of three command points, but it, again, it does so much that I'm not going to complain about the price tag. You don't need this often, but you know what? The one time you do, it's going to be important. Agreed. Like if, you, if you're just staring down an Imperial Guard army and you just went second, you, you need to be alive. Bottom line, that's all. The only thing that matters here is be alive. Everyone right. rotates, screws and abolish your cannons. Be alive. Yeah. All right. Next one is Horus at bay for 1 CP. Use a stratagem in the flight phase when an enemy unit with engagement range of a house raven model from your army is selected to fight. To the end of that phase, only the models that are in within engagement range of your house raven model in that close combat can make close combat attacks. This is the same as um was the line unbreakable for Dark Angels. So yeah, only it's exactly within, the same. Yeah, only things that are within an inch of your base can fight you, not within half an inch of an inch of um or half an inch of the stuff within an inch. So literally, you just create this control zone around you that's only one inch in, in band. So anybody who wants to pile in, um, you know, 30 orc boys to you, attacks with six of them, essentially. And with the, so there's some interesting shenanigans you can do with knight bases because of the oval nature of them. You can point the point towards them, the point of the oval towards them, and e.g. Mm -hmm. create like a much shorter frontage for them to try and negotiate around. And then with yep. no use of terrain and, and stuff like that, you can really hamper them. Uh, one CP for this is, is quite is going to be really good against some armies, yeah? Yeah, the, I'm so glad this was one CP. Um, so, yeah. there, there are some really good scenarios where this is useful, genuinely. Um, mm -hmm. there, and, and also there are ways to be cute here where you can charge in and base people with other models and have the one that pops this just daintily toe into combat by point, no, point 0.99 inches away from the one model on the end. And then you charge, like, honestly, if you're doing allies, throw a freaking guardsman squad into combat and base eight Terminators and have just one one little knight just sit on the edge one inch away. <laughs> like, don't mind me, one CP, kill the guardsman, please. Like, yeah. this is cool. This is a mm. good strat. It's low cost. Um, when people charge you, you know, and they get all their pylon moves, it probably won't be that useful because you've got a big base. But you know what? If this is a big horde, um, like when you get orc boys up to strength five with uh, some, you know, goth stuff, suddenly they actually do kill knights. And you're like, oh, I don't want yeah. all 30 to swing. Let's call this 10. Yeah. And you know what? It's it's a good strat to have. No complaints here. This is a solid one. Agreed. All right. Hit us the last one. All right. Last one. Rolling Thunder. This is cool. Use this strategy in your charge phase after a house raven model from your army, excluding an armager, ends a charge move until the end of the turn when an enemy model is three inches of the house raven model. Each time that enemy model makes an attack, subtract one from that attack's hit roll. So it's models, not units, which is weird. 
and interesting, but not that bad. Um, one CP, give your opponent a minus one to hit. I can think of worse things. So this is the one that uh, when you're when you're putting in two knight uh, models into into an army, like you're doing two charges with knights, and you know yep. one of them is going to be at risk because you have to fight with this one first. So that one's going to get interrupted on. Could possibly get be hampered. You pay one CP minus one to hit, mitigate the loss. I um exactly. I like yeah, yeah. I, like it's a, I like the the one one CP situational strats. I think you're mm. not going to use this all the time, but it's only one c- c- command point. It has a tangible benefit. It's not. Roll two dice, take the highest, and feel stupid if the first one was a six. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, <laughs> yeah, like th- this is fine. This is a good strat, good to have. Remember, you've got it. Um, minus, you know, it's hard to wound tonight. So, if you can make the hitting part a little bit harder, it's a lot more difficult to just body you. Again, charge into orc boys. I don't care if they're strength five, minus one to hit. Only ones in coherency can attack me. I, suddenly, I don't even care. Like, go ahead and interrupt. Like, what are you going to do? Mm. Come on. Like yeah. you're you're not wounding this knight enough to matter. This, so this is like, a generally good strato. So there's one thing that bothers me about this. It's in the charge phase after you've made a charge move. I wish it was in the fight phase. So there is some for those who don't know some order operations things that occur in games now. So in if if it's my charge phase, um, I have to declare whether I'm going to spend CP to buff and debuff stuff, or I'm going to make my opponent spend CP to buff and debuff stuff. Yeah. 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 So the fact is, you get to show you get to show this debuff. In the charge phase, and then they get to chuck all their offensive buffs on or defensive buffs on in their fight phase. And so you've already shown your hand. I just wish this was in the in the fight phase, just for that, just for that little interplay stuff. Yeah, it's still, I, it's it still would, good. It would definitely be better, but it's still fine. Yeah, it's still overall, fine. Yeah, exactly. uh, no complaints here. Um, I think this is a solid buff for Raven. Just access to a bunch of there's eight stratagems here. Four of them I'm literally never going to use. Yep. Um, a couple of them though are good. And they're they're all situational. Remember, you've got it, then, and it'll be useful once in a blue moon. We'll yeah, probably use a Raven Stride every game. You'll probably mm-hmm. get a situation where you want one of them once per game. Agreed. Crimson, I can see Crimson Wall and Shadows Reach being used, um, you know, by by good night players pretty often. But the rest of them yep. is probably is situational as hell. I think. Yeah, the the three shooting ones. Don't like any of them. No, nah, me either. Me either. None of them are the right terms and conditions. They all. They all hurt you you're paying cp to be a worse knight and better at shooting it's like why do i want to pay cp to do anything worse it should yeah. be just paying and all CP three to do of them better. limit your movement and that's what yeah. one and, and all in different like, ways the weirdest part like one don't move two don't advance three have your move like what why are well, there three different yeah. weird limits all of which slow you down in different ways like what is the goal here Legitimately, these don't make sense. They should, if they were House Raven, like you know, into House Raven, it should be you shoot worse, but you move further, you charge further. He's a three d six charge, but you can't shoot in the shooting phase. Honestly, Bang, it should be one CP. It. Use this on a knight that did advance, so you can't yeah. use it when you fell back. Like exactly, like tie it into the rule. Um, yeah, yeah. This, it's just so like, weird. There's not much. Co- there's not like much much cohesion here. No, so there it, isn't yeah. at all. And they, I feel again. I feel like they were putting in specific limits to make sure that you didn't use it too often and that there was no risk of this being op and again you know what they did not make this op this is good (laughs) um it takes raven from three to two in my personal house ranking um what was number two before what did they dislodge tyrannus uh hawk shroud oh interesting i like i like hawk shroud the buddy overwatch is actually really cool um the there's some good stuff there I do uh, actually really like. I actually really like the Buddy Overwatch. Um, yeah, I actually do. Yeah, I think you're, you're right about that. Yep. Um, All right. 
yeah, solid, solid. Yeah, well, that's actually going to bring us to the end of this episode and the end of our review of the House Raven supplement and the Freeblade Lance as well. What do you think this does for Knights? Does this do enough for them to – and how well, how happy do you think Knight players will be with what they've gotten from these these two things? Um, as a Knight player, I was expecting nothing, and I'm satisfied with what I got. Um, <laughs> so for me, I don't think this fundamentally changes Knights. I think the Freeblade is close enough to try – where I'm not convinced that this is just better than Crast, because Crast was the gold standard before. If you're doing pure knights, you were running Crast. Mm. Just let's just yeah. be real here. Or you were or you were trying to be cute, one of the one of the two. Um this is close enough to Crast that I would be very willing to play games with it. Like honestly, mm. I, I played with the House Raven. I tested it. I don't need to play anymore with House Raven. It was good. It wasn't as good as Crast, straight up. I got into combat, so, I wasn't killing as much as I wanted. I'm like, nope, I want my rerolls back. Give me my rerolls. Um <laughs> but this is generically just good. The Freeblade stuff is just a, it's a great buff for a very fluffy way to play the army. So mm-hmm. I think those people that, because let, let's be honest here, Knights have at points in the past been OP. Now yep. is not one of them. The people who are playing Knights right now are the people who enjoy Knights. Not I'm looking yes. for a quick $300 army to go bust my opponent's butt because I only yep. own snap fit space marines that are painted the wrong color. <laughs> um, no, that's not. That's those aren't the people playing knights right now. If you play knights yeah. because you love knights, then the free blood lance is fantastic, fantastic. Mm. It's a super fluffy, super cool way to play knights. I love the idea of the individual heraldries. Like that. Come on, that, that's like I'm, I'm getting King Arthur vibes here. I love that shit. Like that's great. That's fantastic. Yeah, it's so sweet. for me. If I play knights because I like knights, I'm very happy with the free blood lance. If I already was playing House Raven, extra strats don't suck. House Raven was very solid. It is still very solid and a little bit better, but all of these things are situationally cool. None of them are, I'm building my list around it. There's not a single thing in here that you build the list around. That's Freeblade. Freeblade, you build the list around. This is, I'm running the same House Raven uh, list as before, but I'm going to just remember I've got a couple extra strats I can pop. Mm. Yeah, exactly right. Well, on that note, mate, we might wrap up this episode 38 of part one. We're going to go to part two and uh, start uh, straight after you've heard the dulcet tones of Mr. Hooson talking about all the goodness of the Terminus S Strike Force. We're going to be talking about the goodness and what knights are most viable going into uh, these two supplements, these two publications. Um, if you want to grab or jump onto that, please go over to theartofwall40k.com. Uh, you can sign up and purchase our podcast as well as the Nick Nanavadi John Damaris podcast for a nice lump sum and get the benefits of both together. You can also jump over onto Patreon and look up the Art of War Sorry, Art of War Down Under on there. You'll be able to find us. You'll be able to purchase the second half of this. This is going to be a pretty cool two-parter. We've just done, we've, you've already heard all about the Death Guard stuff and all about Terminus S stuff. Now you hear about the, the Knight stuff, and you're going to hear the other half of that. Um, Don's got a couple of pretty spicy lists. I'm assuming me and Mr. Lennon are going to be writing a couple of nice ones ourselves as well. So hopefully that's something you guys are interested in. If not, John, anything you would like to plug before we wrap up? Hey, absolutely. Yeah. You can find me as part of the Art of War. That's on our website, on our YouTube channel, in the War Room, everywhere with the Art of War. If you know this podcast, you probably know what the Art of War is uh come check me out as always as well you can find me on my own podcast this one's 100 free that is florida man 40k you can find us on youtube facebook the places that you find podcasts go check out florida man 40k uh we really work on covering the just covering warhammer from various levels you know we have the pro level the beginner level we try to get all perspectives to 40k and just enjoying the game and having fun 
fan-freaking-tastic. All right, guys, take care. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Please join us next week. We're going to have some uh, more spicy goodness. It's either going to be a review of the Cult of Strife supplement as well as a bit of a talking head segment, either that or it's actually going to be a Best in Faction segment with the Best in Faction gentlemen. I recorded uh, an episode with them a couple of weeks ago, but then the Book of Rust kind of had to push that aside so I could you know, review the new hotness. But yeah, we, I recorded an awesome episode with those guys just discussing the pros and cons of going for a Best in Faction award, you know, how you do it, how you plan for it, um, and, and then what are the results and you know, how work, work your way into something of such a nature. Hopefully that's something interesting for you guys. If not, thank you so much for your support. Take care. Please find us on Spotify and all the other aggregates here after. Um, we're back up and running at full strength, as we always are, as we always will be. Take care. Good night, Mr. Lennon. Thank you again so much for being on. Thank you. If you guys take care, look after yourselves. Bye. Thank you for listening to Art of War Down Under, a content review podcast for Warhammer 40K. Hosted by Adam Camilleri. Produced by Seamus Ronan. Enjoyed the show? Want your lists reviewed and the content you heard put into practice? Sign up to our Patreon and connect with us online or on Facebook. Just search for Art of War Down Under. Signing out from tomorrow.